The first three verses of the psalm that you heard uh, Joan read to us. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. If we stop the reading of Psalm 112 at that point, and we add in a healthy dose of misinterpretation, we have the foundation for something called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is the heretical idea that God gives good people abundance. And abundance usually means money and possessions. It's easily found on TV stations with those preachers telling you if you just send them some money, God will send you ten times that in return. Hey, John, I don't know what changed, but I got a little hot there. I'm on the wireless. Yeah, bring it down just a little bit because I think people are going to start hurting. (laughs) But we really should be honest. Most of us, middle and upper class mainline Protestants live their lives believing this idea of a prosperity gospel. We believe if we just make the right choices, we are entitled to plenty of money and possessions. And when we don't get it, we're quick to complain about the injustice in our lives. We need to take a deeper look at this psalm, and we need to remind ourselves what wealth and riches means in the biblical witness. And we need to understand a little more about the writer of this psalm and those ancient people who would have listened to it sung or read. Ancient world citizens understood a couple of things better than we do, I think. First, they knew everything they ate, drank, wore, enjoyed, were blessings, were blessings from creation. They were agrarian, and even folks who lived in cities visited the markets where they touched the fresh-picked produce, heard squawking birds, saw the smoked and salted meats hanging in the stalls, And the smells, the smells of real life that we do all we can to eradicate, they experienced. The ancients knew all life depended on rain and sun and growth in the fields. The second understanding they had was that these blessings didn't make it to the table without significant work. Few, few people in the ancient world had large amounts of leisure time, and even most wealthy people worked very, very hard. There was one one form of equality that really did exist in the ancient world. Men, women, children all worked hard to make sure that food got to the table. The words in Genesis rang true for them. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. 
These two realities, the blessings of creation, the hard work, provided a lesson in humility. Because humility teaches a person that all blessings, including wealth, are gifts from God. And even what we work hard to achieve depends on resources and creation, the gifts we were born with, the skills we were privileged to learn as we grew, the society that taught us how to compete and cooperate, families that helped us through the good times and bad, and, of course, the hard work of others. What does it mean to delight in the commandments when it comes to these riches? Well, certainly idolatry is one commandment we need to take care with, for we can be easily, easily tempted to worship money and possessions. But let's consider three other commandments as well when it comes to our stuff. Keeping Sabbath, the prohibition against theft, and covetousness. An Israelite who valued the commandments understood that while work was necessary, God also commanded rest. The righteous ensured no one in their household, free or slave, worked on the Sabbath. Loans given would not have consigned someone to destitution. They would have done just the opposite. Here we find a positive spin on the commandment to not steal. The loans of the generous are sources of rescue for people who are struggling, not burdens. In obedience to the last commandment, the one about not coveting, the status of the wealthy neighbor would have never motivated a righteous person to scramble to get more. And our psalm explicitly calls all this out in verses 4 and 5. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. Humility, love of the commandments, teach us that resources are not for hoarding. Resources are for sharing. We've been blessed, and so we should bless. This is a foundational ethic for righteous living. Wealth hoarded becomes a cesspool that breeds darkness, but wealth shared flows out into the world and transforms lives. The greedy, the greedy live in fear, but the generous are connected to the world and connected to God. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. We are considering the created order this month and how we are all connected to the world that God has given us. What does a psalm about wealth, righteousness, and humility teach us about our place in God's creation? There are so many issues facing us when it comes to the created order. It can be frightening to consider, as the psalm calls them, we have plenty of evil tidings in the world. Drug-resistant infections, algae blooms in our water, microfibers loading the oceans with plastic, recycling losing steam as other countries begin to reject taking our garbage and climate change threatening coastlines and destroying habitats. 
While we've seen incredible advances in our world, and many have been rescued from poverty because of these advances, we've also created problems beyond that that threaten to overwhelm us. And we ask ourselves the question, what is the world going to look like for the coming generations? A big part of the reason for all of this is we have lived and acted thoughtlessly. If it's cheaper, if it's faster, if it satisfies a desire, then eat, drink, and be merry. And chillingly, if you finish that phrase with the common words that often follow, you may be predicting the future of human life. That's not living with a humble appreciation for the blessings of creation. That's not pursuing a life that considers how we treat others, particularly those less financially well-off than we are, because the negative abuses of the planet, they, those consequences always fall heaviest on the poor of the world. And there aren't quick and simple answers for all of this, but Christianity has incredible resources for facing complex problems because the human condition is one of the most complex challenges that we face. I've been perusing some Advent readers, and I ran across this by John Pavlovitz in his book entitled Lo, An Honest Advent Reader. There's a great deal of gray and color in the low-to-the-ground spiritual journey. The birth and the life of Jesus remind us that our daily existence is not a precise theological test, and the goal is not to avoid failing. It is an ever-unfolding trip through a day we've never been to, where we notice beauty, move with compassion, have grace revealed. And within a wide and expansive space, we get to choose. What choices can we make to pursue humility and care for others in this ever-unfolding search to appreciate and preserve creation? How can we, as the psalm puts it, not be afraid of evil tidings, but have our hearts firm, secure in the Lord? I offer you the following suggestions for ways to do that. Go. Go spend time in God's stunning creation. The yard is certainly a good start, but don't limit the experience to those controlled environments that we create. Sit by the river, take a hike in the woods, watch a storm, Go outside in the dark of night and be reminded of our humble place in creation. Look, breathe, smell, listen. We are not the center. We are not in control. Adjust. Adjust those lenses you wear to interpret the world. We all have them. Add a couple of questions to your life to help with this. What's the impact to God's creation? Who might be negatively impacted by this? Use those questions at the store or when watching the news or just in casual conversations. Learn. Learn about the consequences of our choices and how that impacts others. 
The Amazon rainforest fires have been much in the news, and those situations provide us ample opportunity for learning the reasons and the impacts. For example, one of the big uses of cleared land is for cattle ranching. In 2016, the United States had the biggest beef consumption of any nation and was fourth on the per capita consumption list. If we learn with humility and with an eye towards righteous living, it will lead us to make personal changes. Listen. Listen to people with whom you disagree. Oh, that's a hard one. Seek them out. Engage. We've become people living in in bunkers, listening only to those with whom we agree, casually repeating tropes about those we consider our opponents, failing to seek to do the best for our world through the hard work of negotiation and compromise. Arthur Brooks has written a compelling book entitled Love Your Enemies on this topic. He argues we're much better as people and as a society when we engage those who come from different perspectives. Follow. Follow the advice of this psalm. Be generous with others not as blessed as you. Make their safety and security a goal, not just your own. Know that our safety is in God's hands, and we can help care for others because we have that security. As you find places that others are impacted by the negative forces loose in creation, do something about that. Work locally to preserve creation. Raise your voice politically. Find and support organizations that work to relieve the suffering of those who bear the greatest burdens. Righteous living means we humbly care for creation and for others who have fewer resources. Wealth and riches that spring from God's blessings and the labors of many are meant for sharing. We can hear the words of this psalm with new ears. It will open our hearts and lead us into meaningful actions. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Amen.